Hello, I'm Douglas Gettings and today I'm going to be showing you how to do marker visuals. The easiest way to do this is to have a photocopied version of a pen drawing. This provides you with an accurate and repeatable template for colour visualisation. The equipment you'll need to do this task is as follows. Clutch pencil, eraser, putty rubber, set of rotary pens 0 0.18, 0.25, 0.35, 0 0.50 or similar, parallel motion drawing board, set square, roller ruler, masking tape, A3 layout paper or pad, A3 tracing paper, preferably heavy, a set of Tria Pantone colour markers for architectural illustration or product design, and you can find these on the Letraset website. The rotary pens can be bought as a college set and the markers may vary. These two items are expensive at first, but the pens and markers can be refilled for much less money. If treated well, they'll last you for years. There are cheaper alternatives available, but they do not deliver the same results. Before you start the marker visual, it's very important that you've produced uh, a good clear line drawing. Um, what I've got here is basically a, a rough tracing that I completed um, from a really rough 3D Max uh, computer model. Um, in this case, uh, it was quite important to work this up on the computer because the um, vanishing points and the complexity of the perspective uh, meant that it wasn't really possible to do a measured perspective in a traditional sense. However, you, you, you might actually do a traditional um, measured line drawing um, before you start. So this is a very crude early sketch. Um, as you can see from that, I was able to make a tracing which established um, a vanishing point or at least one vanishing point that I could work to. The other one's kind of disappearing off over here. And um, this sketch also starts to clarify some of the features of the interior and most importantly where the light's coming from, which is basically I've got daylight pouring through here, I've got daylight coming through the uh, skylights. And it also gives me a rough idea of what to do with the shadows and so on and where they're going. Um, this is the um, final um, rendered version, which I'm going to show you how to do in a moment. Um, but the good thing about doing this is that once you've done the final render, you can drop it into Photoshop, uh, also kind of add tones and different colours and enrich the tones add things like visuals and obviously figures into the thing as well. And there's an alternative with um, uh, kind of realistic figures. I actually preferred this in the end because I felt the figures were distracting from the interior and it was simpler to read the whole space with just the silhouettes. Uh, later on, you can see here, I've actually reduced the visual in Photoshop and also uh, lightened the figures. Uh, and again, by reducing the visual sort of 75% or 25% down to 75% of its original size, it kind of crisps the whole thing up and adds clarity to the final result. Okay, so once um, you've produced a very clear line drawing um, on tracing paper, you can get the, get the uh, tracing paper copy uh, the tracing paper original photocopied several times uh, and today I've got five copies of this 
which um, gives me the chance that if anything does go wrong, I can start over again and correct the situation as I'm going along. Um, this has been photocopied onto good quality cartridge paper, which you can do um, at most sort of reprographic centres. If you use the, um, a normal photocopier with normal photocopying paper, what you find is when you start to use the markers, um, the markers will just bleed through the paper and ruin the drawing. So it's quite important that you get it photocopied onto good quality cartridge before you start. So initially, the first pen I'm going to use is a cool grey one, which is the lightest one. And thinking about that uh, pencil sketch that I did earlier, um, I'm going to make some decisions about where the light's coming from. Um, at the same time as I'm doing this, I'm also going to use my clutch pencil to mark out roughly where I think the light's coming through and where the shadows are. So for example, I'm just going to put a light line there to show that there's shadow coming through here. And I also think there'll be shadow coming through this window. So I'm going to put a light line through there that passes somewhere through this way and then across this um, profile cladding at this point. It's not terribly clear at the moment from this, but this is a beam that's in front of the cladding. So um, I'm just going to leave that there. I also think at some point the light's going to catch the edge of this concrete wall. Because that is slightly curved, I'm not going to use a ruler to do this, but I'm going to put a curve in there to show that. Something else is to think about as the light comes through it's going to hit the top of that table. So I'm going to put a shadow just across the way there. Um, got dark, dark here. There's, I think as well, the way the light comes through the window here, because this is higher up, there's a good chance that there'll be a bit of shadow on the top of that table there. Now the thing is, is once you've done all this, it's basically just lines and notions of where shadows are. And it's difficult to remember once you start to get going with the markers about what's light and what's dark. Um, so um, a good policy to follow is to very lightly just kind of maybe make some slight marks about what tones you think these things are going to be. So I'm using D for dark. You probably might not be able to see this on the camera, I don't know. Uh, M for kind of medium and L for light. It's kind of important that you put these on very lightly because once the marker goes over um, the M's and D's where, you, where you're uh, kind of putting tone on, that pencil isn't going to come off. I mean, it might be that as you work around it, you want to rub those little letters out. But this gives me some idea of, of what I'm trying to do. I'm also thinking about artificial lighting as well at the moment. And um, although there's nothing indicated here, just to kind of give the indication of some artificial lighting, I'm just going to put in some indication there of where, if there was a spot coming down this way, and a spot of light here, what kind of field that might encompass. So I'm thinking that's probably going to be medium or dark up here, and so on. So what I've managed to do is work around the whole visual, making a kind of mental note about what tones are going to be uh, 
what level of darkness. Anyway, back to our uh, cool grey one. This is the first tone we're going to put down. Um, rather like using watercolour, the thing with markers is you've got to work from the lighter tone through to the darker tone as you go. So probably the lighter tone, you're going to use up a lot of uh, this marker. In fact, this marker's been refilled three times now. <laughs> so uh, you kind of get through a lot of ink. Um, as I was describing earlier, we can see that light's coming through here and down here. So it's extremely light that this whole area here is going to be dark to some extent. The only white paper that we want left is that which is uh, just pure sunlight or pure artificial light. So hand on heart, because it's always extraordinarily nerve-wracking at this point in the process. I'm going to start and get this first tone down. The thing to watch is where there's a clustering as well of uh, photocopy ink. Because the marker is also solvent-based, if you put too much ink on, it can tend to make the, as you can see there, that's getting a little bit too dark because the ink's running slightly. But don't get too phased about that. You won't notice that in the long run. The thing to do at this point is to be quite confident about what you're doing. Uh, think about it as well, all this beam across here is going to be quite dark. Again, this is where the roller ruler is quite handy. When you're putting the pen in, just make sure you kind of chisel it into the angle that you're using for the shadow. And then quite confidently start to work in that tone. And you can see by using the ruler, it, it kind of gives you a nice sort of crisp edge to it. The other alternative is to literally do it by hand. I tend to do a bit of both depending upon what angle I'm drawing at. It's also <laughs> a lot quicker to do it completely by hand. I'm just thinking here of not put a shadow in there, so I'm just going to creep that one in now. Okay, these shadows around the spotlights are kind of crucial that we start to get the feeling of that artificial light coming into play here. And not that accurately, but I'm kind of giving some idea of the texture of it just by even using the marker that way. It kind of indicates that it's not a flat surface.
can just see there that I'm doing the underside of the beam and the inside of the roof because there really won't be as much light pouring through from the skylight on the underside of that beam as there will be on the edge of it. When you've refilled these, and this one's had a, a recent refill for the filming today, um, you can get a lot of ink in them and they can be really, uh, well, really runny. And <laughs> the solvent can really leak out all over the drawing, so you've got to be quite careful really once you've refilled them. I think because the tendency is for people to overfill them when they're refilling rather than obviously the machinery that fills them in the first place does it very precisely. So here's my shadows that I put in earlier again around the chairs. Being as careful as possible with this because it's um, quite a key moment in the drawing. I'm going to try and think very carefully about what I'm doing around these areas. I don't want to lose that line because that's it's quite interesting actually. You can see there how when I've gone over it you just can't you can't rub it out. It's sort of there forever. So at the minute I'm just working around where I think that natural light's coming in from the skylight. Um, it's quite useful when you're doing the floor of the ceiling um, to try and follow with the marker the general lines of the perspective as much as possible. Um, this helps to describe the particular dynamic of that plane, the uh, context for the, the room and so on. For example, if I was to marker this in, in that direction, it would quite heavily contradict the grid of the floor, so it's better to either do it this way or, or this way accordingly. And again with this table edge. I'm going to try and follow the general feeling of the, the way it's constructed and this helps to describe its form. I'm not sure about this shadow. I think that's going to distract things and kind of make all this area a little bit too dark. So despite what I planned earlier, I'm just going to ditch that because I don't think it's going to work. 
and I said I'm going to put a shadow across here and uh, although strictly speaking this might not be technically correct with what's happening with the light but uh, as the visualizer and designer you've always got that artistic license to uh, make changes and alterations to a visual in order to get it to work better and read better. The important thing with any drawing, I believe, is that you remember that you're kind of conjuring illusions on paper, that these things don't really exist. Um, they're a kind of impression of what things will be. So you're not trying to draw a photograph or recreate a photographic effect. What you're trying to create here is a kind of convincing, credible illusion of what this space is going to look like once it's built. So I'm now going to swap pens and use um, <laughs> these are really battered from use. Um, but basically this is this is a cool grey three, just about see that there, and cool grey four. So if I'm just I'm just gonna start off with three. And what I'm doing is looking at various parts of the drawing that um, will need uh, a richer tone. So we can assume that it will over here because it's in deeper shadow, around here under the table, and around here and so on. Possibly on this edge because the light coming through this way. And maybe in this sort of dark recess down the stairwell here. And certainly across the top of the roof and in some of the cladding and so on. So I'm going to just start doing that now. And again, this is a little bit unnerving when you first do it, but you've really just got to be confident and determined that you're going to get this whole thing to work for you. going to do here with the shadow is have a darker shadow coming away from the light source so it, it just kind of works into it at that point so it's changing the impact of the light and this is going to be in much darker shadow here as is the underside of this beam, the inside edge of this. You'll notice that I'm leaving some patches of this in the original um, cool grey one because um, I want to maintain that um, lightness. And what I'm doing here now is, because this is profile cladding, what I'm going to do is just swap those nibs around because that's a bit thick for this. I'm just marking in kind of difference in tone to pick out the underside of the profile cladding. Don't worry too much about things going wrong or mistakes, that kind of adds to the 
the atmosphere. Again, it's all about confidence. You can't quite see it on the visual, but I kind of know from designing the space that there's actually another roof light there towards the uh, middle of the gap. You can't quite see it because of the severity of the perspective on the roof. So I'm just going to put that in there to kind of indicate that there's another light source behind the, the first one. Well, we could do with a better shadow coming in down that window mullion. Again, all this really needs to come down a lot more. So again, I'm sort of really laying this on. Trying to be as confident as possible. Remember earlier there was a, a pencil line going down there that I've kind of remembered about to indicate a change in tone. I know that seems quite sharp at the moment. It won't do later on. Markers kind of work like watercolours. Once they're, they dry very quickly, once they're dry, you can actually work straight over the top of them. And if you put down another layer of the same tone, you actually get this kind of, well, it's very sort of delicate shifting tone like you would with watercolour. So you can then start to play and enjoy the effects of the media on the uh, shadows and so on. I'm just kind of enjoying building up and enriching these tones as they go along. richer, darker shadow. Putting a bit of a curve on that because um, it's actually aluminium and it indicates a reflection of some description. reflect the character and materials by thinking about the texture and so on. 
Remember, so far I've only really used two markers, just the one and the three. So I'm building up the shadow and the depth um, just by going over um, the original tones. That's one way of doing it. Um, but as you'll see in a second when I change markers, you can get a more dramatic shift in tone by getting a, a darker marker into the picture as well. Okay, so I'm swapping to Cool Grow 4. Again, I'm really going to start to build up some of these richer, darker tones now. Swoop across there so we get some nice uh, changes in the light. So you get that kind of curvature with it, with the light pouring through. Same up here. And once you get to this stage, you'll probably find that, even on your first one, that you, you're kind of working with much more confidence. Uh, kind of, you've got a, a strong sense of what's happening with the visual, its character, how the thing's evolving. And your confidence will start to grow um, with the kind of decisions that you're making as you're doing this. Changing tone there, one in here, I think. This is looking a bit bland in there, so I think I'll boost that with a with a darker shadow. Probably the same here. As you can see, I'm getting to a point now in the process where um, I'm beginning to make. Uh, much more kind of considered decisions about which bits I'm working up and which I'm not, uh, what sections I'm kind of happy with I'm going to leave, and which bits of the drawing need um, a bit more power putting into the tonal work. Incidentally, you probably noticed that with this drawing there's not much <laughs> colour involved in it at all. That's mainly because of the uh, a lot of the materials within the spacer are metallic. Um, if you do use colour, the thing to do is to put the colour down first. So if these chairs are red, just kind of fill them in in red, and then work with the the grey pens over the top to create tones in exactly the same fashion. You've got to treat um, colour as if it was white paper. So you put the colour down first. But kind of tone the whole space in exactly the same way. So, I think that's okay for uh, number four. And I'm gonna move on to, I think possibly six first, cool grey six. See what impact that has. Just working cautiously at first in some of the deeper areas of shadow. 
and uh, that's having a slight change, but nothing too powerful really at the moment. So I think I might go up to eight, see what happens with that. And that's got a good, that's a lot more, there's a lot more punch with that. Really, once you get to this stage in it, it's it's a matter of kind of refining bits and pieces. Really, we're not really looking at using a lot of this darker tone across the whole drawing. You're really picking out elements and aspects of the drawing that could do with. Sorry, if this is a bit awkward for the camera, but I can't think of any other way of doing it. So for instance there, I'm just putting in a richer shadow across the underside of that beam, but leaving the rest. Okay, then I'm going to have to... I'm thinking as I'm doing these bits, it's probably a little bit too dark for the roof. So I'm going to dig out the six that I had earlier that are later abandoned and just work that in so it's not too much of a contrast. And you find once you get into this stage in, in doing a visual that you, you're kind of using the pens, the tones that you were using earlier and reworking things and re-evaluating them as you're going through it. So back to uh, Cool Grey 8, just to boost those tones in there a little bit. Is that a bit more? powerful presence. Certainly down here as well where the tone will be quite rich and dark. I'm actually going to get rid of that white in there because that's kind of distracting me from the overall effect of the drawing. That change there is a bit harsh so I'm going to bring in the other cool grey six and just work that in so it's not so sharp sharper change that is between the tones. To be honest with you at this point I'm like thinking I'm not sure what on earth is going on in there so it, <laughs> it's really just a question of making some convincing um, gestures at points. That shadow could do with being a little stronger. One thing I'm going to do is work quite a lot with the darker tones that will be in down here. 
One of the things about using these markers is, is that if you work fast enough um, when the solvent's going down, you can actually almost, well you can see it there actually, it kind of pools, but not unlike watercolour does. And if you're working quick enough, you can actually blend, because while the solvent's still active, you can blend the tones in quite successfully. get this to work a little bit more convincingly. One of the things is, is once you've got something like this here where the, the contrast is too sharp, if you go back to using the cool grey one, you can almost use it as a blending tool and work this in. I'm kind of just using the pen almost as like a solvent deliverer at the moment. I'm kind of working over those tones so that they blend together better and work together better. Again, if we use something like the three that I was using earlier on, it's getting a little bit heavy now with solvent, but. Not quite sure what a health hazard this is with all the solvent fumes, but um, anyway, you get the idea from that. Just boosting that up with cool grey six. Again, you can see how those tones are starting to merge together rather than stand out so much. Anyway, I could keep playing with these shadows and boosting them and kind of working them up further and further, um, but I think at this stage you get a, a good general idea of, of what needs to be done to the drawing. Um, for example here, I really need to work up these shadows a little bit more um, and so on and probably around here. Um, I'll just quickly put those in because it's starting to annoy me now that I'm not, I'm not doing it. But essentially, the last stage, really, of um, completing a marker visual is to be able to kind of stand back from it for a while, uh, get a cup of coffee, <laughs> uh, come back to it, and analyse the thing uh, in some depth and think about what else you can do to sort of push it a little bit further. And obviously because of the restrictions we're filming today and so on, that's not really that possible to do it. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump now from, I suppose, a kind of more of an evaluation stage to final stage where you can basically use uh, something like Cool Grey 11 or uh, Pure Black Marker to really boost any more tones. Um, and you can see if I just put some in here how much more powerful that change in tone or shadow is with Cool Grey 11. You can use Cool Grey 12, 
but you really don't need an awful lot of this because it can um, completely destroy your drawing if you um, put too much tone on at this point or dark tone and it really is just touches really to kind of boost or accentuate certain parts of the drawing on a very very minimal level I could probably do with some other tone in here um, this could do with being a little bit darker um, and I think possibly that will do what's quite good about these as a final marker is that you've you've got a very fine tip so if there is anything that's gone wrong in terms of uh, you know detail or you've missed lines out and things like that for example you can just drop them if you need to but um, really using black is sort of to be avoided at all costs really because it can completely wash out the uh, the drawing at this stage So to summarise the process uh, and how we got to the finished visual, we used a range of markers. Um, the first was Cool Grey One. The second two were Cool Grey Three and Cool Grey Four. We then moved on to using Cool Grey 6 Cool Grey 8 and you can see the kind of massive difference there between them and then rather sparingly we used Cool Grey 11 there's an enormous difference there in the tone and there's always the opportunity of using black but in very small quantities in order to pick out certain things or make corrections. And we can see here that this is the final one that has been reduced by 25% or taken down 75% of its original size just to tighten everything up.